This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. For the last several weeks, we've had a gardener that's come out and uh, been tending to our tree. And it's nice to see that it's blooming, right? You know, every Sunday as I get ready to preach, I think a little bit about that gardener. And I think about just what a wonderful picture that is of what God wants to do in our lives and actually what He wants us to do in our own lives. You think about that gardener that comes out and he talks to that tree every week, says something to that tree every week. Because to a real gardener, every plant has its own personality. If you ever talk to anybody that's seriously into plants, they'll tell you that. And, and when the gardener talks to the plant, he doesn't think that that's wasted energy. Because he realizes that that plant has a personality and he's investing in that plant. And if he nurtures that plant well enough... That, that, that it will translate into greater growth, greater productivity, and greater enjoyment. Sometimes I wish that we could get as dedicated to other people and to our own lives as those heart and soul gardeners are to their plants. Just like some... Have you ever, you ever seen the bumper sticker that says... God, help me to be half the man my dog thinks I am. (laughs) Have you seen that bumper sticker? Yeah. Have you ever seen people that carry their dogs? I remember visiting with a lady one time who said to me, my goal is for this dog's feet never to touch the ground. Now, okay, you can have your own opinions about that. I have my own, certainly, all right? But... I think here's somebody who's so completely dedicated to the happiness of this dog. Wouldn't it be amazing if we could just kind of come up with half that much dedication for the people in our world? I want you to take your sermon notes out out of the inside of your program. And I want you just to read out loud with me the title for this message. Okay? We're going to have it projected up here on the screen. And I want, I want us to read it together. Are you ready? Let's read. Relationships, people count most. I want those words to echo in your heart and in your ears throughout this week. That relationships, people count most. Again, as I was praying about this sermon, God brought three groups of people to mind. And you're all people this morning. Hale and hardy people, I might add. Yeah, blessed are those who are tough and get up early and come. And you know, every year I think of this as our chapel service because <laughs> it's always smaller than the others, but it's fun, and I'm I'm just so glad you're here. And um, there's three groups of people here. The first is the group of people that you come here virtually every week, and I. I love every one of you. I'm delighted that you're here. I'm, I'm blessed to get to share life and ministry with you 
And, and I'm glad that you feel welcome here every week. And I want you to feel welcome here this morning because hopefully we never take your presence here lightly. You are the people that we share life with the deepest and most closely. There's a group of people here who are here for the second or third time. I want to say to you, welcome back. I, I know that you are finding a church home here of, of sorts or you wouldn't come back. I just want to say welcome back and welcome into that process. And one of the things that I'd like to invite you to do is on the way out this morning to stop by the life group table and visit with the people there. The reason I say that is because when you come into a church that has some size, it's kind of easy to get lost in the cracks. And we don't want that to happen to you. Because, after all, what did we learn? People count most. And, and it's going to be important for you not only just to come to church, but to actually connect with people in the church. And in a crowd of of a few hundred, that, that, that's a tough thing to do. But when you get involved in a life group and there's 10 to 15 to maybe 20 people at the most in that life group, you're going to have the opportunity to learn every one of their names. Is it hard to remember everybody's name here? I, I confess to you as I sat down and prayed through the prayer request this week, almost half of the people that I was praying for, I could not put a face to that name. And yet, what a privilege to pray with them and for them. Well, in a life group, you get to know everybody. You get to know everybody's face, everybody's name. So I want to encourage you to do that. It'll be part of helping make this church your church home because this is really a church. That that's our heart and soul. It's built around life groups. And then last of all, people here who are here for the very first time. This is a culture of a community of faith we want to welcome you to, and it's our everyday practice to learn and to love learning and to apply into our lives what we learn here on Sunday morning. And so we just welcome you into that process. So uh, on the inside of your programs, I had you take out the, the half sheet of notes. If you haven't found that yet, you can get them out. Fill them out as we go through. It will help you remember what we're going to talk about this morning because we're going to talk about, well, if you could walk up to God and say, God, I know you wrote the Bible, and in my Bible at home, there's 1,300 plus pages. So out of the 1,300 plus pages in your Word, what's the most important thing in there? I think I know what he'd say. In fact, I know for sure what he would say. Because one day, as Jesus was preaching and teaching and walking on our earth, a guy walked up to him and asked him that very question. And Jesus gave him an answer, and I want, you to re I want to read to you his answer. One of them, an expert in religious law, tried to trap him with this question. Now, you can tell his motives weren't all that pure, correct? Teacher, what is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? And basically, if you look in your Bible, there's two different uh, sections in your Bible the Old Testament, which here he calls the Law of Moses, and the New Testament is what follows the Old Testament. Jesus replied, here it is, you must love the Lord your God. I want you to underline the word love. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. 
I got to tell you, as we were singing just a few minutes ago, Jesus, your name is higher. And we sang about some of the wonderful things that Jesus has done and is. That's one of the reasons why we come to church. Is it because it enhances our love for God, for the Lord. When we take the time to remember what He's done for us. And I love the question that Bob asked you and asked me. And it is, how do you know that God is for you and not against you? How do you know that God's really interested in your well-being? How do you know that God really cares? And the answer was, because He gave His one and only Son. There's not a person in this room who would be willing to do that for me. And I wouldn't blame you. I love you. I'd do almost anything for you. But don't ask me to give the life of my only son. Because I don't think I could do that. But if I did, Would you have any doubt that I loved you? That's pretty amazing. So there's the first commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Now, he said, now the second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. I want you to underline the word love again. Love your neighbor as yourself. Now, the entire law and all of the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. In other words, everything written in your Bible springs from one of those those two. That's why it's easy to write, people matter most. They are the most important. In fact, if you take all the people off the earth, God would say there's no reason for the earth to exist any longer. It's the home for my children. So we're going to explore that whole topic today. But before we get into what the book of Colossians says, which is really where we're going, there's a couple of understandings you need to have. And let's take a look at the first one. And that is our old nature or our natural human uh, side of us. Here's what it is. Loving things and using people to get them. Don't you get reminded of that every day? By the way, if you've ever had more than one child... Um, in your home, even way, way early. Child doesn't even have to be five years old yet, but if they have a younger sibling, have you ever watched them swindle that younger sibling out of something you know the younger sibling really wanted? Man, I mean, we perfect that to an art form. We love things and we use people to get them. It's the seedbed from which many of the sins grow. For instance... Jealousy, envy, stealing, many, many more sins just kind of grow out of that. Hatred actually grows out of that. Um, Lots of things grow out of that. Greed. It's that inordinate desire to have things and the willingness to use people to get them. Now, let's flip that around and take a look at what God calls us to do. And here it is. It's our new nature. And that is loving people and using things to what? Bless them. 
Now, I can tell you that the difference between the old nature and the new nature is huge. And it's a giant transformation that has to take place in our life. And we talked about that transformation last week. And I'm going to come back to that at the very end of this message. But I want you to know that you cannot, in and of your own strength and by your own desire, get yourself from the old nature to the new nature. That's not going to happen. It's going to take a divine transformation because it's not natural for us to love people more than things. It just isn't. So, in having that as a backdrop, let's take a look at what God says in His Word here in Colossians. And we're going to read verses 12 through 17, but we're only going to read verse 12 to begin with. And so this morning, I want to ask you if you'd read it out loud with me. Would you? Ready? Let's read. Since God chose you to be the holy people He loves, you must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy Kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. There's a lifetime of living in just that verse, isn't there? That's a huge challenge. So let's talk about that a little bit. Here's a couple of things I want you to know. The first one is this, that healthy relationships, this is the context of relationships. Healthy relationships cannot grow in a culture that is harsh, demanding, and rights-oriented. You think, I could have figured that out. Of course. It's not rocket science. It's just hard to remember. We all know, my goodness, I don't really like to be around people who are harsh or demanding or rights-oriented, and yet in our culture we are taught over and over again to be a tough negotiator, right? Right? To look out for number one. To make sure you take care of yourself. That you have certain rights and you should stand up and demand those rights. And can I tell you, when you bring those attitudes into marriage, it's not fun. You know, I've done probably close to 300 weddings in my life. Done a lot of premarital counseling. I have never once had any couple come to me, and I'm doing the premarital counseling, and I look to them and I say, what is it that draws you to each other? I've never once had someone say to me, you know what I love about him or her? They are a tough negotiator, and I lost. (laughs) You like that? That's just never going to work. You see, this concept... God wants us to understand, though it's not rocket science, boy, is it hard to get it on and keep it on and remember it and live like that. And so God says, I want you to know that healthy relationships, you just got to take that whole concept of being harsh or demanding or rights-oriented and you just got to put it away because it's not going to work. So what does He do to help us with that? Well, he has this little phrase that I want to direct your attention to called, you must clothe yourselves. Hmm. I want you to underline and circle the word clothe. Thank God all of you did that this morning. Okay? 
But there's a wonderful word picture in that. And I want to take you through that scenario. Because when you got up this morning, if the first thing you did was look in the mirror, you probably went, holy moly. That person is not presentable. I got to do some work on that. And you looked at your pajamas and you said, that's not a decent outfit to wear out in public. And you took the time to clothe yourself with what would be appropriate. Now think about this for a minute. When you and I get up every morning, guess which nature wakes up first? The old one. The one that loves things and uses people to get them. The one that's harsh and demanding and rights oriented. Anybody else like that when you wake up? Yeah, when you, yeah. <laughs> I, I see a spouse or two raising the other's hands. Yeah, <laughs> you like that? Yes, indeed. Yeah. Hmm. So you know what you need to do when you wake up every morning. You look in the spiritual mirror and you say, hmm, "That person is not presentable yet. They got their pajamas on." And they're a mess. Okay? It's time for me to take harsh, demanding, and rights-oriented me and set it aside and to clothe myself with gentleness, kindness, patience, and those things. Now, is that a challenge? Yes, it is. But you've got to do it every morning. You know why you need to do that? Because if you don't do that, what are you going to have on? Yeah, all that other stuff, the harsh demanding and stuff. And then when you get into the middle of something that kind of irritates you, then you're going to try to choose gentleness and kindness, right? No chance. It's just not going to happen. Because you got the wrong outfit on. I hope every time you read that passage, you remember that story. That's why God says you must clothe yourself with these things because healthy relationships cannot grow in those other clothes this is going to happen let's take a look at the next passage of scripture and once again let's read it out loud together ready make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you remember the lord forgave you so you must forgive others Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. Now, the first part was the context of relationships. And this section, although, again, I mean, there's a huge... By the way, you see the word clothe in there again? It's in there again, isn't it? Right. Now, this section, I've just called the relational trinity. Because you have three things in here, and they are love, forgiveness, and peace. And I'll tell you what, where they rule... Relationships are healthy, and where any one of those is missing, we struggle in relationship. 
All three of them are extremely important. So I want to give you a statement about each, and then I'm going to have you read a statement out loud with me about each. Let's take love. I want you to know that love creates a mutual sense of value and commitment. Now, this isn't just the love that, I, that we've talked about before where I love pancakes, okay? It's not about that. It's not about something that I'm particularly drawn to that makes me feel good. But, but genuine love that God talks about in His Word it is a choice that I make to value someone and to commit myself to their well-being. And in its purest, in the highest sense, Love is not an attraction, it's a choice. And because we make that choice, and we decide to live out that choice, in the end, we often and almost always become attracted to what it is we choose to love, and especially to the people we choose to love. So, love creates that mutual sense of value and commitment. Here's the statement I want you to read out loud with me. Let's take a look at it. Let's read together. Ready? I will voluntarily put their needs, preferences, and desires above my own. Now, it's an easier statement to read than do, correct? But that's actually what love means. You know, Bob said, how do you know God loves you? And what was, what was his answer to us? Because he gave his one and only son. He chose to value us. He committed himself to our well-being. And he voluntarily put our needs, our preferences, and our desires above his own. That's it. Let's take a look at that second word. The first was love. The second is forgiveness. Here's what you need to know about forgiveness. Forgiveness enables two imperfect people to maintain a healthy relationship. You know the amazing thing about every relationship on the face of planet Earth? It takes place between two people who are greatly imperfect. That has its challenges. That has its ups and it has its downs. It has its moments of tremendous delight, and it also has its moments of tremendous pain. Am I right? All the married people said, mm-hmm. That's true. It's got both. Forgiveness is what enables that to happen. Now, here's the statement about forgiveness that I want us to read together. Ready? Let's read. I will choose to graciously give and receive forgiveness throughout the course of this relationship. Now, I had you write in the word graciously because anyone can give forgiveness. Okay, okay, I forgive. Oh, man, I feel better now. No, no. I will graciously. That's the point. In this relationship, no matter what relationship it is, it could be husband and wife, it could be parent and child, it could be co-workers. You just name the relationship. Everyone in that relationship is going to need to receive forgiveness from time to time and to give it. And when we decide that we love this person, we find ways to graciously give it 
and graciously receive it. And when we don't choose to love them, we find forgiveness hard to give. And when we give it, we don't tend to give it graciously. And when we need to receive it, we don't receive it very graciously either. Big challenge. The third is peace. What does peace do? Well, peace enables, it's the result where the first two are present, where you have genuine love, where people value each other and they are committed to each other's well-being, and you have forgiveness that is graciously given and received both directions, the result is peace. And and, And what does that do? Well, peace is, let's read it together. This is the statement. I will treasure and guard the peace that this relationship, well, that makes this relationship enjoyable for both of us. Wow. You notice in the middle of the passage from the Bible we read, it says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Now, in that short passage that you and I read from the Bible, just the the second passage we read, there were six different commands. Six of them. In just those few short verses. You know why there are six commands? By the way, the fact that there are commands, there's an inference whenever a command is given. And the inference is this. It's not going to be natural to us. Because if it was natural for us to do it, no command would be necessary. Are you on board with that? So when God gives us a passage and it has six different commands, it means that what He's talking to us about in that passage is not really natural to us. One of those commands was, let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. Another one was, clothe yourselves with love. In fact, take a look. Here's the first command. Make allowance for each other's fault. Command number one. Number two, forgive anyone who offends you. Number three, remember the Lord forgave you. Number four, clothe yourselves with love. Number five, let the peace of Christ uh, rule in your hearts. And number six, always be thankful. Six commands, one short passage of Scripture, and they are all there because we need them. Now, inside your program, there's a little card. I want you to take out that card right now. You will recognize that on that card are words that come directly from our passage of Scripture this morning. Rather than take the whole passage, I just took the heart out of the passage, and I want to encourage you to put that card somewhere where you can read through it several times. And for those of you who are really serious and really want the transformation in your life, which I hope is most of you, I want to encourage you to memorize that this week. You know the great thing about memorizing and being able to quote from God's Word? You'll be amazed at how many times you'll be in a situation and you're driving down the road and someone drives in such a way, I know this doesn't happen very often, but they drive in such a way, you already know where I'm going, right? That they infringe on your perceived rights as a fellow driver. You like how I said that? And you're about ready to reach for the great driving equalizer, the horn and the accelerator. 
and then you will remember this passage. Let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. Clothe yourself with gentleness and kindness and patience. So I want to encourage you to memorize it this week. Um, we may have a slight memory test next week, all right? Now, let's go to the last part. Okay, and once again, let's read it together. Ready? Let the message about Christ in all its richness fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom He gives. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. And whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through Him to God the Father. So we had the context of relationships, and then we've had the relational trinity that we've talked about. So what would this be? Well, basically what Paul is saying to us is that we need to build relationships that actually make a difference. These are relationships that make a difference, and this is how these relationships can make a difference. And I want to point your attention to just three things. And the first is that that little two-word phrase where he said, teach and counsel each other. Hmm. Teach and counsel. Every healthy relationship has in it a component that allows both parties to speak into each other's lives productively. Yeah. In fact, that's the chief difference between superficial relationships. Hi, how are you doing today? Fine. You like the weather? Uh-huh. Are, are you sad we missed an hour of sleep? Uh-huh. Okay, have a good time. That's not going to change anybody's life, right? No. But when the relationship gets beyond the superficial, and hi, how are you doing, and how's the weather, and when the relationship gets down to how are you really doing, I told you that a week ago the aunt that I've been praying for for a long time had passed away. I picked up the phone and I called her husband uh, with whom I served. Uh, he was the senior pastor of the church where I was on the staff for 10 years. Um, I've known him for many, many years. I can't even tell you all the places we've been and all the things we've done. Um, I picked up the phone, and when he answered the phone, I said, Hi, Thomas, this is Ron. How you doing? You know, it carried a little different weight than when you run into somebody at the church lobby and say, How you doing? Now, just a few months prior, Many of you were here when I was preaching an entire sermon series on heaven. And, and I was so challenged and so inspired by that. And, and it was so life-changing for me. And at the same time, I knew that my aunt was going through this time that unless God did a major miracle that she was going to go and be with him relatively soon. I picked up the phone and I called Tom. Hey, Thomas, this is Ron. How you doing, Ron? I said, I'm doing fine. We chit-chatted for a while, and I said, you know, 
I was just praying for you, and I was praying for Esther the other day. And I have a suggestion for you. I said, I've been reading my way through a book written by Randy Alcorn. It's, a, it's about a 300-page book on heaven. And it's been so inspirational to me, and he's pointed out things to me in Scripture that I had never seen before. And I just want to suggest that you and Esther sit down and read that book together. I think it'll make the coming weeks and the coming months much more bearable. You know, I can't do that with everybody. But, you know, it was just a great conversation. And he actually did that. He called me back. And he said, I'm going to preach a series on heaven. And he did. And it was so comforting for him and for the whole church. If you can imagine the wife of the senior pastor passing away, that's a big event in the church. But, you know, in relationships that make a difference, we give each other this wonderful privilege of saying, speak into my life. Both the good and the bad. Teach and counsel. So when we have one of those relationships, do we just speak into their life whenever we feel like it? Well, no, not exactly. Okay? So let's point our attention to a couple of other things. The next thing he says is this, with the wisdom that God gives... You know what I've learned? That oftentimes when relationships blow up, I'm talking about not superficial relationships, but deep relationships. When a deep relationship blows up, it's often because someone didn't speak with the wisdom that God gives. They spoke all right. But it was more to get something off of their chest than it was to speak with the wisdom that God gives. I just want you to imagine how different families would be and how much longer relationships would last if every one of us, before we took what we knew would be tough words to receive, if before we said them, we took them to God first. Now that's what he says, right? Teach and counsel one another with the wisdom that God gives. Let's take a look at a third thing. And the third thing is, let the message of Christ fill your lives. There's so many things about that that I want to say, and I don't really have time to say them this morning, but with the message of Christ... By the way, what is the message of Christ? He's already given it to us. Remember that God also forgave you. The message of Christ is primarily a message of forgiveness that though all of us are sinners, that God saw our plight, He gave His one and only Son who paid the penalty for your sin and for mine so that you and I could be forgiven, so that we could live forever with Him. And it's a message of forgiveness that God offers us. And says, you want to take me up on it? Now let that message that message of sacrifice on our part and that message of forgiveness that should that not only came from God to us but should come from us to other people let that message fill your lives and by the way when it does 
it will make those tough words to receive easier to receive. Yeah. As we close, I'll give you one closing thought. I'll take you all the way back to where we started. And actually, past where we started and where we were last week. I want you to think with me just for a minute about the difference between self-help and transformation. Because once again, what is our old nature, our normal nature, the one we're born with? We love things and use people. And God says, oh, I want to turn that around in your life. And in order to do that, I've got to give you a new nature. And friends, you can't get that new nature on your own. You are what you are. But God can make you what you cannot make yourself. And here's His promise. Let me read it to you. By His divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. We have received all of this by coming to know Him. I want you to write that down. This is not something that you get just by coming to church. You're going to get this by getting to know God. And hopefully coming to church will help you with that. We've received all of this by coming to know Him, the One who has called us to Himself by means of His marvelous glory and excellence. And because of His glory and excellence, He has given us great and precious promises. And what are they? Well, these are the promises that enable you to share His divine nature. Wow, that's the new nature. That's not the old nature. God promises that we can share in His divine nature. And when we do that, what's going to happen? We will escape the world's corruption caused by what? You can just put in parentheses behind that, our old nature. That's what it is. The worship team's going to come and sing a song. And as they sing, this is a part of our service where oftentimes I will pray. But this particular song is actually a prayer, and I want it to be our prayer this morning. Because you remember last week, if you were here, we talked about the glasses that we have, that we see other people with, and those, those glasses cause us to view circumstances and situations and people in a certain way. And the first thing that God wants to do to transform our nature, He says, give me your glasses And I'm going to take your glasses and throw them away. And I'm going to give you my glasses so that you can see people as I see them. You can see life as I see it. You can see eternity as I see it. Well, as the worship team sings, I want you to pray this prayer with them. Because it says, God, give me your eyes. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information, at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.